Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up guys? Welcome back to Around the Arc. I'm Jamie. Hope you're doing well. Um, we've got a couple couple of topics to cover today. Um, a little bit later on we'll be uh, diving into who I think may be the most underrated player in the NBA. Um, but first off I wanted to start with possibly the biggest storyline. Well, definitely the biggest storyline of the last couple of weeks or so in the NBA, and that is all about DeMarcus Cousins. So, I assume you've heard by now, but if you haven't uh, already, DeMarcus Cousins, he's suffered yet another devastating injury setback. Um, He tore his ACL in just a practice session, which you don't hear about happening very often, and now this this most recent this most recent injury it's started to bring his career and his future into question um you know we we seriously wonder now if he'll ever you know regain that all-star form that he showed just a couple of years ago and will he even have an NBA career you know, once he once he recovers, so we're we're gonna we're gonna dive into this, uh, what this sort of means for for Boogie's future as well as what it does to the Lakers' current situation because obviously he was he was a big addition for them. But first, I think t- to fully understand what this latest injury setback kind of means for Boogie, I think we need to rewind back all the way to the 2018 season where when he was still in New Orleans uh, Cousins was in the midst of his best season as a pro I mean he was putting up about 25 points 12 boards five assists for a Pelicans squad that was right in the midst of the playoff playoff hunt in the in the west I mean at that time he was in the conversation for best big man in the game and he was well on his way to making the playoffs for what would have been the first time in his career. So everything was kind of going his way. But then the first kind of injury domino would drop uh, in January of 2018 in a regular season game, I think against the Rockets. Uh, Boogie, he'd just rupture his Achilles in that game. And this this would keep him out of action for pretty much a full year. And during this time he spent out of action, he would sign with the Golden State Warriors that summer. 
um, kind of looking to rebuild his reputation and prove that he can, you know, still help a team win. So he obviously joined Golden State with the hopes of getting a ring and then cementing his big payday in the summer of 2019. This summer just passed. So he would play a total of 30 games in the 2019 regular season for the Warriors. And while he wasn't putting up superstar numbers like we'd seen in New Orleans and Sacramento, uh, we still got to see flashes of the old DeMarcus Cousins. And he was looking pretty good for the most part. And then in the in just the second game of the first round of the playoffs, just Boogie's second playoff game of his career, he would go down with his second major injury, this time a, ru- a ruptured, a torn quad tendon it was. Now, initially it seemed like this injury would keep him out for the rest of the playoffs, but he would actually make a return in the finals where, aside from having a terrific Game 2 performance against the Raptors, he was just, he was clearly not 100%, and he was actually pretty unplayable at times, mainly due to his uh, mobility issues, which hindered his defense in particular. So, after a pretty disappointing end to his tenure in Golden State, which, you know, he didn't even get his ring, as as we know, um, DeMarcus sort of, sort of looked for another fresh start this offseason. But virtually no teams were showing interest in him in in free agency. But he ended up signing a one year, uh, a one year deal with the Los Angeles Lakers for uh, it was under four million dollars, I think. Now this seemed like a win win for for both parties, as you know, at this point Cousins was still determined to show he could be a great player still. And, I mean, for the Lakers, they just acquired one of the most versatile centers in the league, you know, when he's healthy. And they got him at a very low price as well, which is why I was so high on the move. Uh, but then, as as I've already covered in a, just in a summer workout session a week or two ago, he'd go down with an apparent knee injury that ended up, uh, we found out it was a torn ACL. Uh, this was his third major lower body injury in the span of about a year and a half. And this most recent one seems to be the most devastating. I mean, it will likely keep him out for the entirety of next season. And there are even cons- concerns that this injury puts Cousins' career in jeopardy, which basically brings us to today. So... What exactly does this mean for Boogie's future, you know, individually? Now, basically any time a player suffers a serious injury, especially a lower body injury like a torn ACL, there is obvious cause for concern. But I think that concern grows when it happens to a big guy. And for Cousins, I think the concern is even greater because he's suffered both an ACL tear and an Achilles tear in a short space of time, which you, uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that has ever happened 
to an NBA player, certainly not a star, you know, to tear both the Achilles and the ACL, both in a short space of time, and he's meant to be in the prime of his career as well. Um, and, you know, factoring in the quad injury, you know, that's three major injuries in the last year and a half. Now, having having that on his track record, I think, will cause teams to seriously consider whether it's worth signing him in the future, you know, even if he does make a full recovery. You know, unfortunately, the injury-prone label is one Cousins will likely have to kind of live with for the rest of his playing days. I think that's kind of an inescapable reality at this point. And, I mean, it's not like teams were chomping at the bit to sign him this past summer, even before he tore his ACL. And, anyway, in a league, you know, with the way the NBA is today, where it's, you know, kind of increasingly more difficult to find a steady job as a center, um, you know, that just makes the uphill battle that much steeper for DeMarcus. And we we haven't even talked about how these injuries could affect his actual game, you know, his play style going forward. Um, so let's just get into that for a second. Uh, I mean, fortunately... On the on the plus side, Demarcus has never, you know, had this had the style of play that relies solely on athleticism. You know, like a guy like Derek Rose who's dealt with injury troubles, and you know, over the years, Cousins has rounded out his skill set to become one of the more skilled and versatile big men in the game. You know, he's he's an above average ball handler for a big guy. He's a brilliant passer and playmaker. And over the last few seasons, he has become a somewhat respectable three-point shooter. Although, all that being said, he has relied a lot on strength and kind of overwhelming power. Um, And I think that's where we can expect to see the most significant drop-off from Cousins' play in the future. You know, if he can't bully opponents in the paint or or have the lift that he used to um you know teams aren't going to pay as much attention to him defenses aren't going to be as focused on him and you know facing fewer double teams and and things of that nature and as as well as not being surrounded by you know golden state level shooting you know that could limit his effectiveness as a passer as well, which, you know, is, is one of his bigger strengths at this point. And I think I think defense is another potential issue for Cousins down the road. I mean, we already saw during his time with the Warriors that he could be a defensive liability at times, you know, largely um due to his mobility issues. You know, he couldn't he couldn't really switch and guard guys out on the perimeter and he didn't have the lift to consistently challenge guys at the rim as well. I mean, we we have seen guys who have been plagued with injuries in the past, you know, come back and transform their games, I think. Grant Hill is a, is a really good example of that, you know, after all his ankle troubles, what he managed to 
come back and do it in Phoenix. You know, while not being a star, he was a very effective and efficient role player. And even even Derek Rose, you know, what he managed to do last season, you know, having his kind of resurgence year a year ago. So, and I mean, there is still certainly hope that, that Boogie can come back and still be a productive player. Um, you know, even if his days as a as a legitimate star are kind of gone now, but that being said, I think it it's rare to see a guy suffer this many serious injuries in such a short space of time, and I think even even if Cousins' career isn't over, I mean, I still think he he will come back, but it definitely won't be the same and. I think it goes without saying he'll he'll now kind of go down as one of the biggest what if players in 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 recent memory. Now I'd like to just quick quickly switch gears and look at how this how this most recent Demarcus Cousins injury impacts the Lakers who who he signed with this summer. Um, now at the time at the time of the signing. This was kind of considered a low-risk move for the Lakers. But it's safe to say now that it's turned out about as bad as it possibly could have. But, you know, when it, when it, comes, to, when it comes to LA's title chances this upcoming season, I'm not really sure how much of an impact or how much this boogie injury will sway their their title chances um i mean well let, let, let's look at how it affects the team i mean first off it definitely has an impact on the team's front court depth right i mean even even if cousins wasn't going to be starting he was definitely going to be a major part of that front court rotation and now the only true center on the lakers roster is javale mcgee who may end up needing to start now uh, since, you know, Anthony Davis has kind of expressed a dislike for playing center in the past. I mean, AD is certainly capable of playing the five, and if he does decide to kind of suck it up, um, then that will alleviate this depth issue somewhat at the, at the center position. But I think it, it still seems wise at this stage for the Lakers to look at signing another big man to kind of round out this this depth chart and we'll get into possible replacements in a in a little bit but um while the Cousins injury will certainly impact the Lakers rotation I'm a little less certain about how much of an impact his absence will have on the kind of overall success of the team now while while some definitely had him labeled as the kind of third star of this team next to LeBron and AD, others just had him pegged as kind of a big-name role player. The truth is, it was pretty unclear, you know, what kind of production the Lakers were going to get for, from Cousins and how vital he was going to be to their overall success. I mean, remember, it, was, it wasn't like this Cousins signing was the defining move of LA's offseason. You know, at the time it was considered a low risk, high reward kind of situation. You know, 
at the time, no one was really expecting him to be the sole difference between winning a title and not even making the finals. And while it is definitely a blow to not have him available for this season, I think anyone would acknowledge that. I don't think it should have a massive bearing on how far they're going to make it in the playoffs, you know. Um, especially if they find a, a suitable replacement for him. And for those who thought he was going to be the third star, I was kind of more on the Kyle Kuzma side, I think. I think Kuzma seems to be pretty ready to become the third star. But that's that's an aside. What um what I want to look at is a few guys who uh, there have been rumors about the Lakers reportedly being interested in now that now that Cousins has gone down. So I just wanted to go through a few names that have been floating around the rumor mill, you know, being being associated to to the Lakers at this point. And bearing in mind that the kind of major wave of, of free agency is now well past us, the the field of available centers who will be able to help out a contending team like the Lakers. You know, the field's pretty thin, to say the least. However, there ha- there have been a few names uh, floating around that could potentially make sense. So uh, I'm just going to list off a few guys that, that have been talked about. The first of which is Dwight Howard, um, who has probably been the most talked about guy as being a possible replacement. And he seems to have split NBA fans into kind of two sides. It seems to be some are really for this signing and others are really against it. Now, I'll I'll just, I'll give you my take on it. I mean, it, it goes without saying that the days of Howard being a perennial all-star and defensive player of the year caliber player, they're long gone right but i think the question is can he still be a productive nba player you know a quality rotation piece and i think that question is still up in the air you know in in the past few seasons dwight's become a little bit of a a journeyman you know he's played for i think four teams in the past four years i mean he's had his he's had his share of health issues and he also seems to consistently be a source of locker room drama, which I think is the absolute last thing that this Lakers team need and is the main reason I think people are kind of against the uh, a potential Dwight Howard signing. However, if if Dwight's own words are to be believed, you know, he came out recently and said that his ego is dead, quote unquote. Um, so, I mean, if you if you want to believe that, and if he can, you know, buy into his role on 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 the Lakers and be relatively distraction free off the court, I personally think this move could help the Lakers. You know, although. Although he did just play nine games for for the Wizards last year, the last time we saw a healthy Dwight Howard, you know, it was two seasons ago. He was putting up over 16 points and 12 rebounds in in Charlotte. You remember he had uh, that 30-30 game, which was kind of his standout moment there. So, you know, if he can can stay healthy, 
He can still be a solid rebounder, a solid rim protector. He's he's mobile and can still finish around the rim. And given his size and strength, you know he can be a he can be a body to put against some of the some of the bigger centers uh, in the league that the the Lakers will inevitably f- face at some point as well. I mean. It would certainly be interesting, to say the least, how how Howard's second stint in LA would play out. You know, especially how it ended back in twenty thirteen when he when he first showed up in town. But as I said, if he can if he can buy in and not be a locker room distraction, I think he would be a pretty valuable addition and a solid replacement for for Demarcus Cousins. That's just, that's just my take on it. The next name that's been floating around a lot is Joakim Noah. Um, now, despite having a disastrous stint in New York the past few years that involved, you know, injuries, suspensions, and all-around poor play, as well as being, quote, too lit <laughs> for New York... Um, Noah did have a bit of a bounce back season last year when he was traded to the Memphis Grizzlies, where, you know, he, he still showed that he had something left in the tank and could be, you know, a very effective rotation piece when when healthy. Now again, like with like with Dwight, health would be a big question for Noah. But um if he if he did manage to stay healthy, you know, he would bring defense experience veteran leadership and his signature kind of bundle of energy you know that we that we saw from his from his days in chicago plus i think it would be a heck of a lot of fun to see him and lebron being on the same team you know given their given their pretty major beef history with one another um that would be a fun side side story to follow but again, like Howard, if 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 Noah can stay healthy, I think he too does make some sense as as a as a cousin's replacement. Another name I saw floating around was Marcin Gortat, who you know he's another one of these aging centers whose game doesn't really fit anymore uh, with the with the current NBA, and. Out of all of the possible replacements for for Demarcus Cousins that I'm going to list, I think Gortat makes the least amount of sense. That being said, though, he is he's still a big body. You know, he's a solid rebounder, finisher around the rim. He's not a major liability in any real area. So you know, but I I think. He should definitely be kind of at the bottom of the Lakers list, and they should only kind of turn to him if all these other options kind of dry out. Um, the net, the next guy who I've seen uh, their name floating around is Maurice Spates. Now, Spates is an interesting one. I think given that his style of play probably fits best in the modern NBA and alongside guys like AD and LeBron. You know, he's he's a solid outside shooter and I think he, he he's best suited to a kind of limited microwave scorer coming off the bench kind of role. Right? You know, he won't do much else besides score, but 
I mean, if he if he's properly utilized, I think he he could definitely help the Lakers out in in limited playing time. But at at this stage, you know, I'd I'd maybe have him listed below both Dwight and Joakim Noah on if you're if you're making this list into priorities, you know, I'd maybe have him third. And now the the final name that I'm going to throw him, I haven't I haven't heard his name mentioned too much, but I think. Uh, I think this guy would make the most sense, which is why I think is a bit weird that we haven't heard his name brought up more in this discussion, and that is Kenneth Farid. Now, Farid is fresh off a bit of a a bit of a resurgence season last year uh, after he was traded to the Houston Rockets. You know, um, where during the regular season anyway, he was a pretty key part of uh, the rotation. You know, he was still the energy machine and relentless presence in the paint and on the boards, which earned him the nickname The Manimal when he was back in Denver. But one one thing that stood out last year is he started to show flashes of a of a three point shot. You know, I mean he was he was no Steph Curry or anything, but he did hit the occasional three and shot it at about 35%. So, you know, he's respectable enough that he couldn't be left wide open. You know, if if he could up his volume a little bit to maybe just, like, one, one and a half attempts per game, you know, I think that would make him the best fit for the Lakers out of the guys on this list. Because, you know, um, he, he brings the energy and the rebounding and the hustle and the, you know, he's a solid pick and roll guy. Um, but at the same time, he can knock down the occasional outside shot and he won't be a locker room distraction either. And on top of that, he hasn't shown any major health concerns in the past as well. So all things considered... I think he would be the best fit. Although he may lack the size and rim protection of a guy like Dwight Howard, I still think he, he'd be the best fit given the I mean, the Lakers already have Anthony Davis and JaVale McGee on the roster, both guys who have a lot of size and are very good rim protectors. So that particular trait wouldn't be in as high demand, I think. So, I I th- I think um, the kind of on the Lakers' list of priorities for replacing Demarcus Cousins for me, it would go number one, Kenneth Farid. Num tied for second would be Dwight and and Joakim Noah. Uh, fourth would be Maurice Spates, and lastly would be Marcin Gortat. But. Let let me know who who you think the Lakers should look for to replace Demarcus Cousins, and also I wanna I wanna get your thoughts on Demarcus the Demarcus Cousins injury situation and what you what you kind of expect from Boogie in the future if he can if he can make a full recovery. So hop on Twitter, uh, let me know. You can tweet me at Around the Arc Pod and. Uh, yeah, give me your give me your thoughts on there. Um, but yeah, without any further ado, let's let's move on. So now I wanted to talk a little bit about a player who I think might be the most underrated player 
in the NBA, and he's also one of my absolute favorite favorite players. Now, um, in years past, there 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 are always guys that seem to go under the radar and don't get the appreciation they deserve, right? You know, guys like Mike Conley uh, in the past, who I think still very underrated. You know, he's never made an All Star team. Even even guys like Damian Lillard, who up until you know the last year or two, I still didn't think got the recognition that he deserved either. Um, you know, guy, guys like this who play at a kind of all star level, um, but don't get the recognition in terms of you know individual accolades, all star games, stuff like that. And the the guy who I'm wanting to talk about today, who I think might be the most underrated player at the moment in the NBA, I think that's Drew Holiday for the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, with regard to the Pelicans, right, this, this is Drew Holiday's team. Now, that's not me saying that. That's what the new GM of the Pels, David Griffin, said about Drew Holiday. And this was, by the way, even after the team had just taken Zion Williamson, number one overall in the draft, you know, the most hyped prospect since LeBron James. And uh, their GM is saying that this is Drew Holiday's team. Now, that's pretty high praise for a guy who has only made one all-star game in his career, which was back in 2013. And also a guy who you never hear mentioned when talking about the very elite, the best two-way players in basketball. But the fact is, I think Holiday no doubt belongs in that conversation. And what David Griffin said was not crazy at all. You know, I agree with him. This is Drew's team. And I think you could you could easily make the case that Drew Holiday is has been one of the most underrated players in the league for the past, you know, two, three seasons. And if if not the the most underrated. So what I want to do is just kind of take a look at what he's managed to do, especially the last couple of seasons where he's kind of uh broken out if you, if you want to put it that way um into kind of star player basically and then i just want to kind of dive into his game and look at just what makes him so good um so to start off um i want to just take a look at his at his situation and kind of what what his career has looked like basically since arriving in new orleans so in in his in Holiday's first couple of years uh, playing for the Pelicans, after uh, he came from the Seventy Sixers, you know, in those first couple of years he was he was plagued with leg injuries, you know he he had a couple of stress fractures I think, and this caused him to miss roughly half of each of those first two seasons, um, but you know. More recently, as he's regained his health and pretty much put those injury troubles behind him, he has blossomed into a star for for New Orleans in the in the past couple of seasons, especially um, in 2018. So a couple of seasons ago, 
uh, Drew would complete his most individual season up until that point. You know, he averaged 19 points, six assists, and that was for a six-seeded Pelican squad uh, who ended up making it to the second round of the playoffs. I'll get into that in a minute. <clears throat> I'll get into that in a minute. Um he would also be named to the all-defensive first team that season. So you could, at least he was getting some recognition for his talents on, on defense. And his brightest moment in, in his career, frankly, would then come in the playoffs of that year. So like I said, the Pels would make it to the second round of the playoffs, and this would involve sweeping the third-seeded Portland Trailblazers in round one. And this is where Holiday he, st- he stepped up his game and reached borderline superstar status in in this series. You know, on offense he was a machine. You know, he, he averaged close to twenty eight points per game on nearly fifty seven percent shooting. You know, he'd chip in with about four and a half rebounds, six and a half assists, and you know. That's a pretty that's a seriously impressive box score stat line there. And what was equally impressive in that series was what he did on the defensive end against Damian Lillard, holding him to just eighteen and a half points, four point eight assists, and he shot just thirty five percent from the field for that series and just thirty percent from three. And this was kinda like Drew's overdue coming out party. Right, but I still don't think he got the league-wide recognition that he deserved. I mean, he he would carry this momentum from the amazing playoff run into this past season where, you know, he would build upon that success and put forth an even more impressive individual campaign. And to look at his numbers from last year, uh, Holiday would put up a little over 21 points five rebounds, almost eight assists, along with 1.6 steals and 0.8 blocks. Uh, Again, on very efficient shooting, you know, he shot 47% from the field. And what's, what's even more impressive, I think, is that he sustained this level of individual production, even amidst all the, you know, Anthony Davis drama that kind of plagued the team for the, for the latter part of the year last season. Um, Despite missing out on the playoffs uh, this time round, Drew was still rewarded for his efforts on defense, being selected to the all-defensive second team, which actually made him one of only four players to be named to an all-defensive team in both 2018 and 2019, You know, joining some pretty uh, impressive company there. So th- this was a pretty, pretty damn impressive two-year stretch for Holiday. But, you know, al- although he didn't make an all-star team in this in this time, he did join some pretty impressive company, you know, with the numbers that he did put up and how productive he was on the court. I'll give you a couple of examples. He joined only LeBron James, Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade, Gary Payton, Walt Frazier, John Havlicek, Jerry West, and Michael Jordan as the only guys in NBA history to be named to an all-defensive team while averaging at least 20 points and 7 assists. 
as some pretty impressive company, right? Uh, secondly, he was just one of six players to average 20 points and six assists over the span of the past two seasons. So to give you a look at uh, the club that he was joining there, the other guys on that list were LeBron, James Harden, Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving, and Russell Westbrook. And as a side note, Drew was the only one of these guys to make it to an all-defensive team. So what all of this, I think, should prove is that, especially over the past couple of seasons, Drew Holiday has become one of the truly elite two-way players in the league. Now, I know there is a, there is a select group of guards who do thrive on both ends of the court, you know, guys like Victor Oladipo when he, when he was healthy and, and Clay Thompson as well. Um, but Holiday is by far the best playmaker of the bunch of, you know, two-way, two-way guards. And I think with that, I think it's time to take a little bit of a deep dive into Drew's game and take a look at just what makes him so good. So, just going to start going through his his strengths here now first of all i feel like i need to mention his size so at six foot four and over 200 pounds drew has pretty good size for a guard you know this allows him to play either guard spot and it's it's kind of it's kind of what makes him a very versatile all-around player you know, he uses he uses his size really well when it comes to getting into the paint and, and attacking the rim, which he, he seems to do at will. And what's more is when he does attack the basket, he finishes at an elite level. You know, to give you an idea of just how good a finisher he is, he converts a higher percentage of his shots at the basket than both Kyrie Irving and James Harden who are regarded as two of the best finishers in the league, right? Another thing, his Drew's tight handle and his kind of subtle explosiveness as well. He's got a he's got a subtle burst off the dribble. You know, this this makes him adept at kind of exploiting switches and mismatches. You know, he can he can easily blow by bigger and slower defenders. Plus, you know, his size, you know, his height and his feathery soft touch, which he has on his on his jumper and kind of in-between game, that allows him to get off quality looks in the mid-range too. And, you know, he's he's also very good at, at making contested jump shots as well. Uh, playmaking is arguably... You can make the case it's arguably Drew's best offensive strength you know uh averaging 7.7 assists last year uh that would indicate that he's one of the best passers and playmakers in the league which would be pretty accurate assessment you know as as well as as well as racking up dimes at a pretty high rate holiday also keeps his turnovers relatively low as well um he averaged 3.1 giveaways last year which is is pretty impressive um for such a high usage player and in this kind of high octane offense NBA that we that we find ourselves in today you know his his passing vision is impeccable and 
you know his ability to break down defenses and make and make defenders kind of collapse on him this allows him to kick out to open shooters which is another thing he does very very well um you know another aspect of holiday's playmaking which i think goes a little bit unnoticed actually is the fact that he's he's not a, a ball hog you know the ball rarely sticks in his hands longer than it needs to you know he'll always kick it to the open guy and find the open man you'll rarely see him get tunnel vision and force up bad shots when when the situation doesn't require it and i think this is an encouraging sign for this upcoming season you know now that he's playing with with other playmakers other guys that like having the ball in their hands you know guys like Lonzo Ball and and Brandon Ingram i think this is an encouraging sign that they'll be able to play off one another pretty well you know and and finally like with like with any great point guard drew thrives in the traditional pick and roll setting you know he's kind of a he's kind of a triple threat when it comes when it comes to pick and roll you know he can he can turn the corner and get all the way to the rim and finish he can stop on a dime he has a strong pull up game and he also has a knack for hitting the roll man with with pinpoint accuracy as well which is partly what i think made him have such good chemistry with with bigs he's played with over the past couple of years like anthony davis and and julius randle being being the main two and of course, I, d- I don't think we can talk about what makes Drew Holiday such a good player without touching on his defense. So put simply, Holiday is one of the very best perimeter defenders in the NBA who can legitimately guard point guards, shooting guards, and small forwards as well. You know, yeah, he has tremendous lateral mobility and quickness, which... For one, that allows him to stick with quicker guards. Uh, he can close out to shooters, and he can recover quickly as well if uh, if defenders manage to get by him. You know, he also has fantastic defensive instincts too. You know, he he uses his quick hands to get a, a number of strips and steals, which he's very good at. And he ha- he has great anticipation as well for what for what the offensive player is going to do before they even make their move, which which makes his positional defense above average, way above average as well. And that's all that's all on the ball stuff. Drew also thrives off the ball as well. You know, he has really good off ball awareness, which makes him as well as always being in the right spot at the right time it also makes him a serious threat to jump passing lanes and and get steals that way but unlike some other guys who you may see who like to gamble a lot in the passing lanes guys like russell westbrook drew doesn't take anywhere near the same number of risky gambles which doesn't diminish his impact uh, on defense especially playing off the ball as well which kind of sets him apart from some other guards i think so all in all i think it's clear that drew has very few weaknesses on on both ends um 
you know, and and on defense again, he's he's often tasked with with guarding a lot of uh, opposing teams' star wing players, and more often than not, Drew more than holds his own. Although I do I do think at times he can be overmatched in the post. You know, when playing with with uh, you know wings who are kind of a lot bigger and stronger and and are a major presence in the post. So think about guys like LeBron or or Giannis. They're the they're the obvious two. But aside from that, I think you'd be you'd be hard pressed to find a better or more valuable two way guard in the league, I think. I know I know that's a bit of a hot take, but yeah, prove me wrong. <laughs> um it's just just my thoughts. Um, bef- before I wrap this up, I did I did want to touch on Drew's one slight weakness that that he has in his game, and that his that has been his three point shooting. Now, over the past four seasons, he's shot around thirty four percent from deep on about four and a half attempts per game. Now, although that's 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 not a bad mark, um, there are plenty of worse distance shooters. I mean, but it could certainly be improved upon. And I think an encouraging sign that he can definitely up his efficiency from beyond the arc is is the fact that he, in his first six seasons in the league, he was a near thirty eight percent three point shooter. Now, I think the reason for his for his drop off in recent seasons um has been the fact that he hasn't been getting as many wide open looks. He hasn't been getting as many catch and shoot looks. Um especially, you know, when he as he's become more of a more of a kind of go to guy in the offense, he's been tasked with creating his own shot off the dribble more. And while he certainly can do that from deep as well, he just he just isn't at the elite level of guys like Damian Lillard, you know, um, guys who are elite at creating their their own shot going off the dribble from deep. Um, so hopefully now, with more offensive weapons around him, more creators around him. Um, I've already touched on Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, but also Zion Williamson as well. You know, hopefully with with those guys now on board, hopefully Drew's number of uh, wide open threes, his catch and shoot threes, you know, that number can go up along with his efficiency. And if that happens, we'll be very hard pressed to find a single hole, a single weakness in Drew Holiday's game. And... To sum up, I think that is pretty much why he's the most underrated player in the league, in my book. He's a guy who is elite at both ends, doesn't have a real weakness, but he doesn't he hasn't made any all star teams. He hasn't gotten anywhere near the the sort of league wide recognition that he deserves. But hopefully that changes. Um I'm sure it will, especially if the Pelicans can develop and become a a better team, you know. Um, But, yeah, 
I want I want you guys to let me know what kind of season you expect Drew Holiday to have next year. And also let me know who you think the most underrated player in the NBA is. Like I said before, you can tweet me at Around the Arc Pod and give me your thoughts on there. But yeah, that that does it for for today's episode, guys. I wanted to thank you again as usual for for checking in. It really means a lot. If you are if you are enjoying the podcast, feel free to leave a review on iTunes or or wherever. 5 stars appreciated, but um you know, like like I always say, I'm I'm open to comments, thoughts, suggestions about the show as well. But yeah, uh, other than that, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as usual, guys. And I will see you back again next time. All right. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.